Welcome to We Gotta Talk, a live weekly talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. From health to relationships to alternative lifestyles and more, the one thing you will always get is a deep dive. I'm Sunny, a 15-year veteran of TV news, freelance writer, blogger, mom of three, and wife. But most of all, I'm just a die-hard oversharer, someone who's genuinely curious about, well, everything around me. And I can't wait for you to join in on these conversations that I promise will impact, inspire, and entertain you. Now, let's talk. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. I am so glad you're here. I am grateful for your presence. We have a great, great conversation on tap today that I feel like is happening at the perfect time ahead of the holiday season where so many people are out celebrating at parties or at gatherings, maybe socially distanced gatherings this year. But we have Celeste Yvonne on the show today, and she is one of the founders of the Sober Mom Squad, which is essentially changing the narrative on the need for alcohol when it comes to mothering and parenting. You've probably seen tons of memes and, and pictures and funny graphics and quotes shared all over social media about how wine is essential to survive motherhood. I think while we can all agree that motherhood is a stressful job, what Celeste and her group of Sober Mom Squad members are doing is aiming to maybe push us in a different direction to cope with all the stresses of parenting. So I cannot wait to get to uh, dig into this very juicy topic with her, but we are gonna catch you guys up on a couple of things that have been happening around here lately. So first things first, we had our spiritual medium on I think it was two weeks ago now, and she kind of ushered us through a discussion that a lot of us have been having lately in our own homes and amongst our own circles of friends, which is finding spirituality and a sense of peace and good energy during this crazy time. So I know that I promised you an update. I was going to my own spiritual coach slash medium that day. I did my session with my astrologer on my birth chart. So I wanted to like bring you up to speed on that. Rach, I'm going to bring you in now. Producer Rachel is in the house too. Um, so yeah, you know, Rach, before I did this, I was really nervous. I'm like a practicing Catholic. This is verboten in my faith uh, for many people, but I, I was feeling an energetic block. So I went in and I did this and it was really great. Yeah. It I was, gave you like a really big pep talk beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't worry, they're only going to tell you good things. They're not going to tell right. you anything traumatic. So what did they tell okay. you? I'm going to tell you what they told me, and they're going to tell you something freaky that happened last night. I don't know if a door has been opened. Uh, there's, oh, there's so much. Okay, so let me tell you what they told me very quickly. I'm going to go through this because I know you guys <laughs> want to get to today's topic. They were, they, she was able to connect with both of my grandfathers. So how this medium works is she asks for your express verbal permission to call in people. So she's like, I'm not going to get you in the chair and just call in, you know, a marching band worth of spirits to commiserate with. I want you to say out loud, uh, so-and-so, I would like you to access ABCD. So I requested to connect with my mom's dad and my dad's dad, one of whom I've never met, but I'm named after my dad's dad. He was a Sonny. My dad is Sonny. I'm Sonny. I've always felt a little connection there. And my mom's dad. Um, I'm going to go through this quickly. Spot on, Rach, with the, the role that my dad's dad played in the family. She said, I have a feeling that when he passed, there was chaos in the family and there was um, a, a great sense of law. I mean, she just really 
he was a special man and she hit the nail on the head with his role in our family dynamics. So all of that was spot on. And she did not know my job because I always email like a secret squirrel from my married last name. Cause I, every critic out there is going to be like, well, when you go to a medium, you know what they do. They just Google your name from your email. Well, I used my, my married name, which is really, not out there and by the way real mediums ain't got time to like google every single person they're consulting like they don't do that they don't have time for that like they're not interested in scaring you. you know i have faith in the process right um so she was saying she was seeing my mom's dad behind me and she said i see you sitting writing and storytelling i see that your job involves a lot of sharing and, and writing does that resonate with you and i was like yes she's like so the she you knows she had this wonderful beautiful message from, from my pap, who's my mom's dad. And she was, again, just really spot on with who he was. Uh, here's what happened last night though. And then I promise we will move on. Hi, Bree. Bree is here today. Friend of the show, Bree. Um, by the way, guys, as always, just a quick reminder, you can drop questions in the chat there. We will ask Celeste any questions you might have during the course of the interview. You can drop them now. You can drop them later. Anyhow, so Rach, here's what happened last night. This is why I'm freaked out. So I was, I got up in the middle of the night, our three-year-old woke up. I, I go upstairs to get her and bring her back down. I'm thinking the whole time, like about this experience. And there's a certain level of discomfort still with me about having seen a medium and like opened this door. Am I going to be able to close it again? And I had this right as I was falling back asleep, I put my three-year-old in bed. I heard a knock on my table next to me and I said something out loud. I thought it was my other daughter who had come down. And I was like, honey, you can just crawl in bed with me. I mean, it was, and then I woke up this morning and I was like, please, please let her be in bed with me. She was not, she was still in her own bed. And I had a full on conversation with, and it was a very distinct, I don't know what it was, but my whole thought process as I was awake in the middle of the night was all about, oh my gosh, I'm scared. Did I open something up? So I don't know, maybe I triggered something in my subconscious, but it was freaky. So no, you didn't trigger any bad spirits. It was clearly somebody just letting you know they're there to protect you. Um, I think that's really funny that you thought it was your daughter and you're like, just climb into bed with me. So like you essentially asked a spirit to climb into bed with you. You're like, how about I climb into your soul? Just kidding. No, they can't do that unless they're <sighs> evil. And I don't think evil spirits like knock on the door. I think just I, their way in. <laughs> yeah. And based on the story I shared um, on that episode of my own ghost knocking on the door, like to come into my bedroom, you know, if you haven't heard that story, you can go back and, yeah. and listen to another episode. But uh, it's okay. I, I think, and here's my theory because I know um, what's going on in your world off camera. I think it was somebody from uh your your probably your mom's side of the family just saying you know i'm here it's okay don't worry you know everything's gonna be okay so it was i i think you're right i did have a sense of peace and i will say this in parting before we wrap this part up um i did a whole episode i i'm, I'm joking now but i'm a very very serious when it comes to my spirituality and religion and a friend of mine invited me on her podcast her name is Nero Feliciano. She's a psychotherapist and her podcast is called All Things Life. And she talks about um, the search for meaning and spirituality. And we did an entire episode on specifically what happened um, 
in that room with the medium, specifically what happened with my birth chart. She shares a story about this incredible accuracy of her grandfather's own birth chart and how it played out in his life. And it's just a, it's a very serious and heartfelt discussion about why so many of us are here right now, right? Looking for answers. So I'm going to release that Nero's interview on my podcast feed tomorrow with this interview. So it's double the dose on one day. So anyway, check that out tomorrow. Come back Thursday morning, or if you're listening to this, you're about to, um, you can just click over because it'll be released yeah. on the same day. Anyway, okay, Rach, thank you so much for popping on. Guys, yep. before we get to Celeste, I want to give a very quick shout out to our first show sponsor who, um, I've been using and loving for a while. Vitamin and Me is pretty much a match.com for finding your perfect supplements. Vitamin and Me is all about your health and your wellness. Think of it as a match.com for vitamins. This company was founded by a Johns Hopkins educated nutritionist, and the whole point of Vitamin and Me is to help you find the perfect vitamins and supplements for your routine. And the best part is they do this for kids too. So here's how it works. You take a short quiz on their website, communicate with the team if you have any questions, and then select your delivery schedule. Vitamin and Me sets you up with the perfect already vetted vitamin brands that you know and trust and helps you build a customized routine that improves your health. I've personally been using the Claire Labs Omega-3 Minis and the Trace Minerals Complete Food Multi, both of which I really love. I love relying on Vitamin Me's delivery schedule and their team of experts when I have any questions about the vitamins I'm taking. One size does not fit all, so that's why Vitamin Me is not a vitamin manufacturer. They're a vitamin matching service, and I have been so, so happy, guys, with the results I've seen from my vitamin routine so far. Here's the cool part, 30% off guys. If you use the code, we got to talk 30, you will get 30% off of your first delivery of vitamins. Go to vitaminandme.com, just like you see on the screen, enter the code, we got to talk 30 at checkout and you will get 30% off. All right, let's talk today's guest. Celeste Yvonne, as I said earlier, is the founder, one of the founders of the Sober Mom Squad that's aiming to change the conversation about sobriety and motherhood. So let's bring uh, bring Celeste on and get this party started. Celeste, thank you for hanging out through all of my um, crazy spiritual talk. <laughs> I am going to get some contact info after this because that sounded fascinating. There's a few people I would like to talk to in the afterlife. So <laughs> yes, it was, it was for sure. And I will share that. Well, I'm just grateful you came on for us because I followed you on social for a while and your work, your writing, all of your social posts are characterized by a real, um, authenticity and a very sort of raw sharing of your own experience. So I would love to lead off with understanding why the Sober Mom Squad and what your history with alcohol is that helped to inspire the creation of this group. Yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, I thought I had a pretty good handle on my drinking. Um, I had a father who is an alcoholic and I thought I could control my alcohol better than he did by setting certain rules up. Uh, no drinking before 5 p.m., don't drink and drive. I had these established rules in my head for what would, uh, what would set me apart from my own father's uh, example. And um, I thought as long as I continue on this, this path, I'm good. Um, as you know, when you become a parent, you have to be available 24 seven. 
And suddenly, um, not only was I dealing with the parenting chaos that comes, um, I was trying to do it with a hangover uh, because my hangovers were getting increasingly worse. I was noticing I was drinking more to have the same effects because my tolerance was going up. And I woke up one morning and I was like, this is not sustainable. I cannot continue down this path and not expect it to lead somewhere really, really bad. Um, so I quit. Um, I quit drinking almost three years ago. And um, the life I have found in sobriety has empowered me. It's empowered my parenting. Um, it's empowered my confidence. And um, I never thought I would write about this. I, I, I thought I was a mommy blogger. Mm -hmm. um, but the more I wrote about it, the more people asked me to write about it. And um, there's something very exciting in sobriety that I don't think the media talks about at all. We don't see it in Hollywood. We don't see it um, from the, the TV shows we're watching, from our friends, from the memes, from the TikTok videos. Nobody talks about the benefits of sobriety. And um, I feel like if I'm doing anything, it's that. And um, I want I want to extend this conversation because there's, there's a beauty in sobriety that people don't know or understand. I think, um, you know, I'm hearing you talk and I wanna dig more into your aha moment and, and that pivotal point that changed your view on drinking. But I wanna start here because people hear the word sobriety and immediately think, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not someone who is, reliant on alcohol to alter or change my moods or to get up or go to bed. Um, how do you define um, a drinking problem per se? Because I do think there is a real extreme example portrayed in a lot of cases that people just don't identify with and therefore maybe don't find the inspiration to stop drinking. And this is a big narrative that we have to deal with in society. Um, alcohol is the only drug we need to explain not using. Mm. Um, that's insane. Um, and we have this narrative that if you don't have a drinking problem, you should drink. Uh, it's almost inexcusable that if you go to a party and you decline a drink, um, you're looked down like somebody, they, it's rude. It's considered rude. Um, if you don't see benefits from drinking, if drinking does not serve you, we should not feel obligated to drink. I mean, if somebody is lactose intolerant, they they're gonna decline milk. Why, why wouldn't it be the same for alcohol? Why is sobriety such a, so stigmatized? Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to change the narrative on. I don't think we should be able to say no to drinking and, and get looked, the sideways look, the sideways glance, like what is that? And that's what I wanna change the, the talk about. What's the most common um, response or reaction you hear from moms who might be thinking, okay, maybe this, this might be an issue for me, or maybe the sober life is something I wanna explore. And I'm sure they're like kind of slowly tiptoeing into it. So what do they most frequently say to you? They're worried uh, they won't have fun anymore um, without alcohol or that what are they going to do at parties? Um, the concept of a life without alcohol is scary because nobody talks about it. Nobody shares what that. I mean, you think about it and the first word that comes to my mind is boring. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's something else that we need to uh, change the talk about because um, 
it's it's actually the opposite of boring. You when you enable your mind, you can have better conversations. You can have a better handle over your emotions. You can do more things. I just made a video that uh, what do I do when I don't drink? I can drive anywhere I want without worrying about a DUI. I mean, your opportunity, you don't close doors when you're not drinking. And um, in fact, all you do is open them. And nobody talks about that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's really hard to picture, and, and I use the, the example of a holiday party because that's this time of year. It's really hard to picture a social scene without there being some type of alcohol available. And I do think, especially now as people are looking for different ways to connect, they're scared, they're saying, oh my gosh, that is the one thing though I need to relax, to start conversations. What do you say to somebody who feels like truly that is a, a, a crutch or um, not a crutch, but maybe um, something that helps to make that social experience better? Like what do they do to relax? I think that is how we have been marketed to by the uh, big alcohol companies for our entire lives. Um, and that's just how we've always seen it. Uh, mm -hmm. When you look at it another way and when you see uh, the bigger picture, um, and then when you start giving it a shot, you realize that nothing is stopping you from relaxing and having a good time. If anything, alcohol only feeds into our anxiety. Um, it only, um, adds that extra voice in your head saying, you sound stupid, you're slurring. Um, it just adds a whole nother layer that we don't need in there to have a great time. And I'd love for us to um, have to, to go to a party and not feel the need to drink to relax. Um, mm -hmm. And when you set your mindset saying that it's not, uh, alcohol is not an inhibitor to me having a good time, it completely changes the game. I mean, you're, you're saying this and I am not a, really a drinker. I don't feel good when I drink, but a couple of times a year for big events, birthday parties, you know, I'm like known for being the one that gets drunk literally off of two drinks. And even with that small amount, I, oh my God, Celeste, I'm thinking of this event I went to on Friday and I was a guest with someone and I really didn't do anything all that embarrassing, but you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, I kind of get a, a trucker mouth when I drink a <laughs> And I'm thinking, I woke up the next day, I really didn't do anything that weird, but I'm thinking, oh my God, these people don't know me. I'm hanging out with friends of friends. They probably think that I'm a, like a total weirdo. Like just, you know, I'm just like no filter, kind of dancing in the corner. And I mean, this is what happens when you literally only drink twice a year. Uh, but but I kind of go back to that situation because I do think some people are in that spot too, where they're like, okay, I don't really need it. I don't really do it all that frequently, but like, I got to keep it under control when I actually do drink because you don't, it's a bad feeling when you wake up the next day and you're like, oh my God, that was not representative of who I am as a person. I mean, the swearing kind of is, but everything else, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh. I think um, parenting with a hangover is probably oh. the worst experience on the on planet earth it's horrible it's horrible. If i had to quit drinking just for that alone it's worth it one thousand percent and you do we we talked about this before we started recording too you do as you get older have just massively worse worse hangovers and the brain fog is so real like i tr i will struggle for a phrase for a full 30 seconds i'm like refrigerator like i can't even you know so i mean 
there, yeah, it just, it only gets harder as you get older. And for some reason, the kids know the one night a year or the two nights that I drink and the next day they're up at six. I don't know how oh, yeah. it's crazy. Oh yeah. Kids don't let you off the hook. No, they don't. I know you guys were um, featured recently on the Today Show's website and uh, Yahoo and Scary Mommy. I mean, you you Google Sober Mom Squad and it comes up with a list of, of giant publications. And I'm wondering um, why you think this conversation is is gaining so much traction and why your group is connecting with so many people. We all got self-quarantined in March uh, and most, I think, Everyone's kids got sent home uh, with us. Um, and all of a sudden we went from whatever we were doing before to now we were homeschooling children. The mental load for motherhood has never been heavier. Um, and the, the conversation I keep hearing over and over is my drinking started to get out of control. Add to, add to that mix every single meme you saw in March, April, May was talking about drinking, about quarantinis to get you through, day drinking. Um, in 20 years, the country is going to be led by kids who were homeschooled by drunk moms. I mean, this is the narrative that we're having. Um, it's getting heavy. And for the, for the moms, especially who did use drinking to cope during a really stressful time, it's starting to catch up with them. Um, so me and four other uh, sober moms, we got together and we formed the Sober Mom Squad um, as a way to connect once a week and um, let these not only let these women know that there is hope and opportunity and sobriety, but give them a chance to connect with each other and share their experience because there is so much therapy that goes into the shared experience. Do you ever face critics who tell you, you guys are just taking the fun out of motherhood and parenting? I know what my limits are. Like, I don't want to be reminded to be sober. Do you ever hear that? Oh, all the time. <laughs> and I was just having this conversation with the other uh, hosts at the Sober Mom Squad. You know, where is the line between calling someone out for a dangerous narrative and just letting moms have have their fun narrative? have their fun conversations and their fun TikTok videos. And um, there's a line there for sure. But when it goes to where uh, they're using their children as props, when it goes to um, showing the day drinking without the consequences or the ramifications that always come with that, that's where I get, um, I get a little frustrated. Uh, I think you know, you can have that conversation, but when it becomes a trigger to somebody else's um, troubled drinking, we need to bring it up. Um, it can it can get serious. I was I I'm three years sober. I was on my Instagram reels yesterday, and it was one mom video drinking after the next. I got completely triggered. All they were showing was the happy go lucky. I'm going to drink to get through this without playing the 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 video all the way through where you see the hangover, where you see the headache, where you see the kids screaming at you and you, you can't handle it because you've got the brain fog. And that's where I get frustrated because um, there's a bigger conversation to be had and we're not seeing it on social media. We only see 15 second uh, jokes um, that can be really triggering. And for fellow moms who are over drinking, uh, it provides justification for what they're doing.
Yeah, I mean, I, I just love the line that you draw because obviously there is a way to responsibly drink. And if you don't have a problem, then that's fine. Then you do you. But that the social media thing really is true because it is the easy joke, right? It's the easy punchline in anything involving parenting and motherhood. Oh, I need a glass of wine or I need, you know, and, and it, you don't realize how much that seeps into your conscious, your, your subconscious. And um, it's interesting you say that about the reels because it really is. I mean, social media is just a big old cluster of, you know, to begin with, right? I mean, there's, you already have to have your uh, awareness up to sort of only let in the things that are, are true and authentic to begin with. But then, you know, there's already the comparison game and, and people only showing the best parts of their lives. And you throw in the whole discussion about drinking too. And it, it I totally, totally understand where you're coming from. Have you heard from anyone who's made any life changing decisions or come back to you a few years or months later and said, Hey, thanks. This is, this is where I am now. Oh, all the time. I get a lot of people who say they've been following me for years and today they're 30 days sober or um, they fell across something I wrote six months ago and it put a little bug in their ear and now they are looking to uh, change their life. Um, they're not there yet, but they're, they're ready to start. And um, those, I mean, that's the reason I keep writing about it. I mean, if that's, if what, if me openly speaking about my own issues and challenges is going to help somebody else, then I'm all for it. Your writing also explores other themes and issues in motherhood, which I love. We know that your dear husband post went viral and it's all about the emotional workload that so many mothers bear, um, at least in a, in a male-female relationship, because that's the dynamic that, that you're in. Um, I really want to dig into this. Emotional work and emotional labor is a phrase that's only recently started to come into the collective consciousness. And as soon as all women everywhere read that, all mothers were like, well, that's what that's what I've been telling you, what I do all day. We finally have a phrase for it. Um, but you were kind of ahead of the ahead of the ball on, on your letter to your husband there. What inspired that piece in particular? And guys, we will link this in show notes as well so you can check it out. I mean, that was a real life experience that I had. Um, obviously, I detail it out where I basically tell my husband to step up. Um, the problem, I think, is we generationally, we were raised by, for the most part, you know, this doesn't speak to everybody, but a lot of mothers raised us and the fathers were relatively hands off. Um, they had a day job. Um, and the mothers, even if they had a job, like my mom had a day job, uh, but she was still expected to cook and clean and watch the kids um, because that's um, that's the patriarchy. That's how we've grown up. Um, and so now, even more so as women are entering the workforce and more mothers are being working mothers, um, the expectation for them to still cook and clean and watch the kids and handle all the um, the tasks that we call the mental load, like the, the family calendar, um, who's doing what, where, when, uh, who's buying the gift for, you know, um, the kid's birthday party this weekend. Um, that, it gets heavy. And um, that needs, we need to do a, a huge shift there from um, expectations that our parents had to, um, expectations for us as couples. And that was really what that letter spoke to. Um, when I wrote that letter, I wrote it, I didn't send it to 
the media, I, um, I actually just left it. Um, it was just a way of me to kind of get my words out there. And then I had that conversation with my husband. We talked it through and um, we made significant changes um, to what we were doing to better balance the loadout. Um, I didn't post that letter until many months later when we had kind of our, our situation figured out. Um, and I published it as a way for other moms to kind of understand, like, this is, this is the challenge we're facing. And this is why you feel like you're drowning. And it resonated clearly. Um, and I'm so glad it did because I think it did empower other moms. I had a lot of women come back to me and say, I sent this letter to my husband because I've been trying to explain this to him for years. Mm -hmm. I sent it to him and now we can have that talk. What, if you're comfortable sharing this, what specific tasks did he pick up that helped to ease that burden? Yeah, um, this was years ago, obviously, but the big one for me was um, he started taking night shifts with the baby. And um, even though I was breastfeeding, I was able to pump um, right. enough that he was able to take on several of those shifts. And that made all the difference. Mm -hmm. um, we, shift, uh, we switched out uh, who's in charge of dinner, what nights. Um, there were several things we did, but the biggest one was for me to get some sleep because as you know, that lack of sleep, that sleep deprivation, I mean, it'll it'll kill you. Um, and if you get to that point, especially if you're dealing with postpartum depression or untreated postpartum depression, um, you need to to get that um, that extra sleep anyway. And if it means saying you are taking over for this and this and this, you do it. Right. I, I've gotten a lot of criticism from people saying. Um, you shouldn't have to ask for help or this isn't help. That's a dad being a father. Fine. But if you don't have the conversation, then it's not anything except a mom drowning in her own mental work. I mean, people will always find a way to like crack into your message somehow. That's right. a great response to it. And, and, and the reality is, yes, we shouldn't have to, you know, ask specifically for things to these things we also there are also other major shoulds that hold up that that patriarchy or that structure that you described that'll never go away until we kind of chip from the bottom up it reminds me of a conversation i had recently with my husband where i mean he does um this is huge i never even like we never even discussed it until recently because he just started naturally doing he packs lunches every day he packs snacks every day and after dinner he cleans up the dishes and does the kitchen every night he doesn't do it great. Celeste, I'm trying so hard not to be judgmental. His version of clean, God love him, is like relatively sanitary in my yeah. world. That's okay because it's help. And we had a discussion about this the other night because he just started doing this stuff. And I thought, oh my God, I don't know if I could ever go back to like adding all of that back on because now that you've picked these pieces up, it has freed me up to do so much more, take care of myself in a way that I wasn't able to, or, you know, even do a separate task with the kids that I didn't have time for. And I, I feel grateful for it, but it, I do also think it's important that I acknowledged it because I kind of just let them start doing it. And yeah. the fact that I finally got around to officially like acknowledging and thanking, thanking him for it was great, but we are thankfully, I feel shifting the paradigm a bit, but you're, like you said, it involves a conversation sometimes, and maybe it's uncomfortable, but it does help if you if you bring it up. I think once you have that conversation um, and you start to see the changes shifting around in the house, 
you think all you can think is why didn't I bring it up sooner? Yeah. It's, it's getting to the point of having that first conversation that can be really hard because for me, especially conflict is, is my biggest fear. <laughs> so um, once you get past that fear and you have an open, honest dialogue, um, it's a game changer. Love it. Conflict is kind of like my hobby. I'm, <laughs> I'm Italian. I'm just kidding. I only fight with those that I love dearly. <laughs> I try to be very, very judicious in, in fighting otherwise. Um, I want to wrap up, Celeste, with one final question because I know that people really took in this conversation and maybe are thinking about making some shifts or some changes in their own personal relationship with alcohol. So let's end by you suggesting maybe some of your favorite non-alcoholic drinks that we can mix up for the holiday season. Okay. My favorite, uh, Groovy, I think it's getgroovy.com. They have a non-alcoholic Prosecco and Rosé that is to die for. Ooh. I would highly recommend um, Groovy's products. And um, if you use the code SQUAD, S-Q-U-A-D, uh, you get a 15% discount. Um, I just, I love them so much. I'm like, I need a discount code because um I go back and back and back for more. Um, but there's so many great ones out there now. I think that's one of the other benefits of changing um, the narrative and uh, saying we need more non-alcoholic, op- uh, more non-alcoholic options. Right. There's maybe non-alcoholic beers. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of drinks available now that uh, can make your holidays really fun and festive. And if you don't even want to bring up the conversation that it's not alcoholic, you don't have to. Nobody's going to be the wiser. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And, and the important thing is, just like you said, to tap into what your own personal boundaries and comfort zone is and stick with that. And sometimes we need a reminder that that's okay to do what yeah. works for us, even though it's not what other people are doing. Yeah. We don't owe anyone anything. Um, and one of the things I always say is you don't owe anyone an explanation for why, why you're not drinking. Saying right. no, it should be enough. Right. Well, I love the positivity that you are bringing the discussion around this very important topic. And I'm so grateful for your time. Celeste, tell us too where we can find you to have more of these great conversations or connect with you otherwise. Yeah. Um, so if you go to SoberMomSquad.com, uh, you can find out more about our group. We have a weekly free Zoom meeting every Wednesday at one o'clock. And um, we would love to have you. Um, well, you can also find us on Instagram at SoberMomSquad. Love it. I'm grateful for your time, Celeste. Thank you so, so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Sunny. This was wonderful. All right, guys, Um, I am so uh, glad and grateful that you stuck around for this conversation. I love what Celeste is doing, and I'm all for someone who is flipping the narrative a little bit. And in this time where I think we're all struggling to take care of ourselves, the idea, the concept of taking something out of the equation that could be making us feel more tired or exhausted or not our best self is always something that I am down for. So a huge, huge um, hug, virtual hug to Celeste for joining us. A quick reminder that if you are listening to this show in the podcast form, I would be tremendously grateful if you could rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts, that makes a massive difference in getting these shows out to people who might find them useful or entertaining. I thank you for joining us. Follow along on Instagram at Sunny Abada at We Gotta Talk with Sunny. And my blog is always the place where we take these great conversations and put them into article form. So if you want to go back and read the highlights of today's interview, check out sunny.me later this week. 
Thank you again so much for watching and listening. We'll see you next week on We Gotta Talk.